When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Latter Day Takes. On today's episode, Brian and I do a recap of the week per normal. We talk about our respective conference weekends, including an article that my mom sent me on how to get married, my dad relating to me through Seinfeld, and Brian going to L.A. for WrestleMania weekend. After that, we get into World News Recap. We talk about the NCAA March Madness Championship, a little bit about the Trump indictment, Obviously, we do more of a conference recap, and we also get into people we can't be friends with. But today's special guest is none other than the Tad Collister, General Authority Emeritus for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, author of The Infinite Atonement, The Inevitable Apostasy, and many more books tied to the gospel of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Tad was a fantastic guest. I think you'll enjoy this episode If you're coming just for that segment, go ahead and jump to about an hour into the episode, roughly. No skin off my nose. Hope you enjoy it nonetheless. If you came for the full podcast episode, I think you'll enjoy all hour and a half, hour 40 minutes that we give you. Anyway, I hope you all are having a fantastic week and that you close out the week great. Love you all and we'll catch you on the other side. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. (laughs) Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not drinking. And they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. (laughs) I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, Yes, the Mormons Mormons were the correct answer. Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. All right, we're back. Back at it again on this snowy April up here in Utah, man. Is it snowing down there in Vegas? Uh, It was raining yesterday. Just got my car washed last week, and of course, you know. Do you have a monthly pass? No. I have a monthly pass. It's all about the monthly pass, man. All right, go ahead and do that, dude. I'm not running my, my forerunner through there and getting scratches from these, you know, machines. Oh, all right. If that's what it's about, yeah. No, I think I think I do all right. But anyway, um, dude, <laughs> we're coming off we're coming off a heck of a weekend. We'll get to the general conference recap later, but yeah, that was uh, it was just it was so fulfilling as always, and uh, I loved it, and I'm sure it was super fulfilling for you, which we'll also get it to. Was. It. <laughs> it was. <laughs> but uh, for me, it was time well spent. I spent primarily Saturday with friends watching it 
and then later with a little bit later that night I went up to my sister's to chill with her and her kids to watch it and ended up having a really cool conversation with my niece this I wasn't even expecting to talk about this but she's uh she's running track at a high school I'm not going to disclose which one but she does very well and it's a it's a good high school too and she's just a freshman and we were just talking about like how she views competing and things like that and it ended up being like a half hour conversation just me and her I wasn't planning on this and it was awesome it was just awesome to hear her kind of like how she was candid about like some of the anxiety that that circulates around track and things like that and I was just giving her some of my thoughts there and I think it was helpful. It was good. It was a nice, nice little bonding moment. I have so, dude. I have, I don't know if you've, I've told you this, but I have thirty-seven nieces and nephews. <laughs> have I told you that before? Yeah, it's, uh, it's so crazy. I don't know if I've ever said that out on the podcast, but a thirty-seven, like that's insane. But anyway, um, I am so, seven, and I'm like, geez. Or I have six. Sorry, I have six, and I'm like, yo, y'all, y'all look yeah. too much sometimes. <laughs> thirty-seven. Yeah, dude, 37, cool. man. But anyway, so as I was at my parents' house on Sunday, I watched both sessions with them. My dad, like, mm-hmm. I walk in the door and my dad hands me, like, a crepe. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then I finish that one and he hands me another one. And I'm like, all right, I guess we're doing this. And then I finished that one and he handed me another one. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. Three crepes just like that. <laughs> like, I, I can't take it anymore. I'm all creped out, man. And then my parents are like, you staying for lunch? And I was like, staying for lunch? I've just had, like, we just ate, I just ate three crepes like an hour ago. And then so we had lasagna and salad. And I'm like, how, I don't know what I'm turning into, but I can't take it anymore, man. There's just like way too much food. You big Wild. fatty. I guess, dude. That explains a lot of my problems. But, um, yeah. So, anyway, that's not even the part part of the story that I wanted to share. This is just, you know how, like, you have those moments where it's like, the way I'll put it, and I'm honestly just thinking of this, the, it's like this, uh, it's, oh, what's the word? It's like a proverbial DNA test. Mm-hmm. It's where, like, you know you're related to this person. Right. That happened over lunch. My mom and I were talking about Tolstoy because actually what we were really talking about was the origin of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the United States. And I had put out there, I was like, it's possible it's the first church since the country was founded, right? It was founded in 1830. That would have only been 40, no, sorry, 54 years after the signing of the Declaration of Independence. So it's very possible that was the first church, original American church. And my mom said, actually, that's what Tolstoy said. And I was like, let me remember, Tolstoy wrote War and Peace, right? And my mom was like, yep, War and Peace. And my dad chimes in and he's like, he's like, actually, did you know that um, the original title that Tolstoy wanted to use for that book was War, What Is It Good For? <laughs> Which, for you non-Seinfeld fans, that doesn't mean anything. But there's an episode where Jerry convinces Elaine... That Tolstoy's original, his original desire for title War and Peace was war. What is it good for? And Elaine takes that and she works at a publisher and they're about to publish like this well-known Russian author's book. And she like puts that out there in a meeting and he's just like, her boss, her boss is like, what the freak are you talking about? (laughs) Amazing. Just amazing. And my dad didn't miss a beat. He just said it. And I was cracking up. I was like, that was, that was amazing timing. Like just, and, and deadpan. And I was very impressed. And it was one of those moments where I was like, 
we're definitely related. Like we both love Seinfeld. Like we, that sense of humor is just the exact same. So that was fun to see. Anyway. So funny. I don't. <laughs> I don't get Seinfeld at all. Must it must be a generational thing? You're older than me, so it makes yeah, that's sense. That's a good point. I'm way older than you. I'm a more emotionally mature. As well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dude, I think those... the best part about like quoting things is obviously me and my dad go at it. Like my me and my brother go at it. Like we have, you know, the back and forth conversations that we're literally just going through, you know, movie quotes or TV shows. Uh, the best is when my mom hits one and says it right. Right, because normally she'll mess it up. And be like, you know what I mean. No, you, know, you know the line. Actually, you know the line, Brian. Stop. You know the that, line. No surprise, knowing your mom. That's funny. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, when she hits it, you're just like, nice job, Bob. Big high five. Big high five for mom on that one. So, big high five to uh, uh, Dad, Dad Anderson, Daddy Anderson. Yeah, you get it. What's his first? What's his first name? Christian. Chris. Chris Anderson. Good old Chris Anderson. Um, And then, I'm going to throw this out there too. Saturday night, I'm coming home from my sister's, and I stop off at the store, and I keep my phone generally like on Do Not Disturb, so I don't really see the activity going on while I'm driving, Mm -hmm. which I just think is probably better, but I'm walking into the store, and I see that I got a text message, and it's a text message from my mom. And all it says is, and it's a, it's a headline, I found true love and a happy marriage using this 90s style blueprint. It'll work for you too. And then a link to some Fox News article about this, how to get married essentially. And then a follow-up text from my mom that says, not a bad article on Fox News. I didn't even respond. <laughs> and then and then I saw my mom the next day and we didn't even talk about it. <laughs> but I did post I know, Har- I know Harper saw this, but I'm not even gonna mention yeah. it. I know he saw it. If she's uh, listening to this right I, now, she's uh, just sitting there shaking send, her head. Send send it my way. You want to do you need that? I'll send it in. Please don't. Please don't. No, hundred percent gonna send it right now. We'll, um, we'll post a link in the description. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, so then I then I any, took a any desperate listeners out there, any desperate listeners wanting to uh you know coincide with us on our nineties uh you know attempt to get married, you know, go ahead and join join the party. Join join the single train and try to get married. Here we go. Hum babe. There you go, dude. Just sent it to you. Thanks. Um Yeah. Stupid. So I did post it, however, on Instagram. I took the screenshot of my mom sending me the message. Mm-hmm. And and I circled a couple things. It was like how I found true love and happy marriage, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, my mom sending me articles on how to get married. So how's your Saturday going? Right. <laughs> I don't think I said that, but basically. <laughs> it's kind of how I felt. It's just like, you know, you get to a point where you're like, listen, I know I could, I know it, my life isn't ideal right now. Like, I didn't sign up for this. Mm-hmm. But the last thing we want from people anyone even people we love dearly is here's how you do it or here's some right. ideas here's an option why don't you do this and you're just like nah. have you tried this yeah no i haven't tried that but that sounds dumb i don't want to do that yeah i just anyway like, there's there's a big 
there really is something to an age gap. Like, like they just or or being in a relationship for so long that like they don't, people don't even understand how much society evolves when it comes to finding somebody to date and then eventually marry. If they've yeah. been married for like at least five years, even five years, a five year window, they're way out of the loop. That's how much yeah. it evolves. It's crazy. No doubt. All right. Well, two, my two special guys of... right here. I'll... Yeah. Well, we're we're here for it. So. Yeah. <laughs> how was my weekend? You ask. It That's was what I'm amazing. At, I can't wait to hear about it. It was. It was amazing. Because of so conference, much fun, right? Because of conference, yes, <laughs> yes. Because but a different of kind of conference. <laughs> it was a meeting of the minds conference. No, it was good. Uh, so kind of hinted at it, I want to say, last week maybe? I think I talked about it. But I think I it might have been the week have. before that I was talking about. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the showcase of the immortals, a.k.a. WrestleMania, happened this weekend. <laughs> Down in SoFi. Stadium. WrestleMania goes Hollywood. LA, for those that don't know. Yeah. SoFi, Inglewood. Uh, it's where the Rams play, right? And the Chargers. Oh, both yeah. play there? Same, same. Yeah, same, same. Um, so, yeah, went down and uh, went with my my best good buddy, Mr. Clayton George, um, and drove down Saturday morning, had a you know, had an amazing lunch at LA brisket, fire sandwiches. Uh, and then went over to WrestleMania had there and then got some amazing food. Best thing. And I'm going to hint at this on people we can't be friends with just little, you know, good food and good people. Like you better believe like, but people I can't be friends with. It's, it's tangentially to. connected to that. Yes, yes. Gotcha. Good food, good people. Like I've got times, a good one today, right? by the way. I've got a good people can't we can't be friends with. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so went there Saturday night, woke up Sunday morning, didn't get back to the hotel until late. Uh, just terrible traffic trying to get out of there. Um, but yeah, ended up going to uh, breakfast in the morning, walked around Santa Monica, that's where we were staying. And then um, drove out to the convention center they had like this you know pop-up shop for the wwe stuff and hustle loyalty respect mr john cena speaking of uh yeah that that can't see me that whole thing made yeah. big news oh yeah the, it did. The, so for those that are listening the caitlin what's her name the the basketball I player for iowa. from iowa yeah i can't remember her last name but it's caitlin something Amazing flair. Phenomenal. Like they're yeah. calling her like the Steph Curry of women's college basketball right now. Now I've never really seen right. her play, so I'm just I'm just relaying talking points. But to give a little context here, I think the narrative I, I don't really know how it went, but from what I'm hearing for the most part, she would do this you can't see me motion, which is from John Cena, which is what you're talking about, where it's like you wave your hand in front of your face. Yep. But she did it to her own bench. And then when they played LSU in the national championship one of the players from LSU had retaliated and specifically had like gone after her, like right in her face and done that hand in front of the face thing. And then started pointing right. at her ring finger because she just got the national championship ring. This was like with like a minute left in the game, 
game was definitely over. LSU definitely won the national championship. And anyway, that made national news, but that's kind of funny how it's tied to John Cena with what you're yeah. talking about. Because right. that's his move. Uh, exactly. You can't see me in five-knuckle shuffle. That one I didn't know. <laughs> Good thing that wasn't involved at all in the NCAA Women's Championship. There was, yeah, there was no five-knuckle shuffle. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... Saturday afternoon, we're like, oh, well, I mean, we got three hours to kill. You know, this took shorter than expected. Went and got some gas, and I go to Clay and I go, Have you ever seen the LA Temple? He goes, Actually, I haven't. I go, How close is it? And he goes, Looks it up. It's like 20 minutes away. We're like, Ah, oh, perfect. Let's go do something. So we ended up going out there. Just going to walk around the grounds, just kind of, you know, see it's Sunday, you know, conference Sunday, uh, ended up listening to I-Ring's talk from the morning before, or the, yeah, the afternoon before, because Nelson didn't talk, correct no. me if I'm wrong, on Saturday. He only spoke really once. I mean, besides the Temple announcement yeah. one, but that doesn't really count. Right. I feel like Which he did that we, last time too, actually. I thought he spoke at least, I thought he spoke on both days. I but I don't know if it was just an entrance one or whatever it may be. So, Spiritual but momentum like, was his big one a year ago, right. I remember. And, but anyways, and that was Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we ended up listening to Irene's talk, and he talked about experience, right? And like, How'd you pull how it up so quickly? That. We just pulled up the, the recorded feed. Oh, and we gotcha. just slid to – because we slid like to the YouTube end thinking that – No, on the, on the Gospel Library app. Oh, it's ar- it was already up that quickly? The uploaded full version, not cut, not yeah. anything. And no text, yeah, yeah. obviously. Just, I didn't even yeah. know they did that that quickly. That's cool. Yeah. So it was up. Um, ended up just listening to Irene's talk on the way down to the convention center. And he talked about experience. He talked about, you know, um, love. I think he actually even quoted loving thy neighbor uh, stuff. Um and as we're getting out of the car and taking pictures of, you know, the entrance to the LA temple, which did not know this, uh, second biggest in the world to Salt Lake city. Uh, and you think that it was at one point the largest, correct? No, no, no. I, I thought I had heard when you had pointed that out to me, I was, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I guess that doesn't surprise me because I thought at one point I even heard that it was the biggest, but Obviously, okay. that was missing. So I didn't know if with with the new re- renovations at Salt Lake that it became the biggest again. Yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't either. know what they were doing. So, um, but yeah, so we we're walking around and we look over to the visitor center and we see that there's people inside and I'm like, are they open over there? Like that's kind of weird. Conference weekend, you know, Sunday, right? Like you'd think that everything would be kind of just on lockdown, and ended up seeing another person walk into the visitor center. We're like, oh crap, it's open. So we walk in there, two sister missionaries sitting at the front desk, you know, welcomes in there, you know, Hey, how's it going? You know, what can we help you with? We're like, Oh, we're just visiting. You know, we're, we're in town for WrestleMania and their faces were like, what? <laughs> like so <laughs> caught off guard. The fact that we were in town and we were just stopping by the temple. Um, but they ended up like directing us back to this, like, um, replica of a synagogue and it was so cool being in there because they had like the birds chirping on the little you know on the on the speakers and it almost felt like it was open air so it was very cool to be in there they had like a three-dimensional map of of the city and you know the upper and lower and all that stuff uh and the original temple and stuff so it was really really cool to be in there and then they had you know 
two photos on either side. You know, it was one um, Sermon on the Mount. The other one was meeting at the well with with Mary, um, breaking of bread with the uh, this is my this is my body, this is my blood um, spiel, I should say. Uh, and then what was the other one? There was one more. I can't remember what the other one was. Uh, it might have been healing of leper or something like that. Um, but they had this TV screen and it had like the four buttons that you could like push and then the the uh, videos that the church made pop up and it you know it's like a, almost like a chosen it's the it's the church's version of the chosen type thing right. Mm-hmm. Um, but Which I click the chosen on... should be the ver- church's version of the chosen for the record. But right, exactly. I, <laughs> I, freak, I just love that show, man. I'm such a <laughs> I, so show. do I. Yeah. Um, but I ended up hitting the, just random, like I just, I hit the greatest commandment, right? I was just like, yeah, let's, you know, let's listen to this one. And it's, you know, love thy God, number one, but then love thy neighbor. Right. And, you know, he's doing the whole, uh, Jesus. And uh, I think one of the, the Pharisees or Sadducees, whoever it was, they were, you know, they're standing there having a conversation and he's talking about, you know, the great, the greatest commandment. Right. So me and Clay sit down, we're, you know, listen to this two minute video and we walk out of there and what do I hear in like this side room down H Oaks's talk about literally what I just pushed the greatest commandment, loving my neighbor. And I like walk over and I like hit Clay and I go, no such thing as coincidences, huh? Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? I'm like, this is how cool is that? I randomly pushed, I could have pushed any other button. It was one of like one out of eight, right? I pushed one button and I walk out and I hear Dallin H. Oaks talk about it. No coincidence. It was so cool, dude. Like I was like, I was like, we were, I was literally supposed to push that. That's so amazing to me. Um, But yeah, walk over and there's this room of members sitting in there and listening to conference. It was so cool. It was just like a little, you know, almost classroom type feel they had tables and you know, they're just sitting there all watching it. Um, but yeah, it was like, you could just feel the spirit within that, you know, visitor center. It was so amazing. Um, ended up walking over, seeing the Spanish side, Clay's sitting there translating to me and I'm like, stop it. I hate you for this. Um, but go out front. They have an amazing Christus statue out front. Amazing, like massive, I don't know, 10 feet tall, probably. Um, beautiful, beautiful picture. I'll, I'll post some of these ones on, on, on our story, uh, when we drop tomorrow. Um, but go back out front and, uh, we start talking to sister missionaries again. Um, after Clay translated for a, um, father and daughter who were speaking Spanish at the time. And I pushed them to do that. And that was, I love seeing them do that. It's so cool to use gifts that you were given on, oh, yeah. on your mission like that. It's just amazing, amazing stuff. Um, cause I'm very jealous of it. And I, I know you know that cause you speak Spanish as well. And I'm very jealous of that as well. So, así es, um, así es, cuate. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Yo no sé. Um, but we ended up talking to these two sister missionaries, one from Draper. My hometown, yep. baby. One, one from Draper. Shout sister, out Draper UT. Uh, yeah, Sister Woodworth, I believe, um, and one from Atlanta. So cool little thing is, and Clay made this connection for himself. Clay was married in the Draper uh, Temple. Oh, no way. Okay. 
and his wife is from Atlanta. He moved to Atlanta with his wife before they moved out here, or before they moved to Phoenix, before they moved to here. Um, so yeah, very, very cool, like little connection. Obviously I have friends from Draper and friends, you know, that live in Utah. You, I'm talking to you. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> and I have one of my, you know, one of my best friends from baseball, uh, Spencer Keyboom, who lives in Marietta, Georgia, just outside suburb of Atlanta. So it was really cool to kind of connect immediately have, you know, a common ground that we're able to talk. Um, you know, with them about, you know, where we come from type stuff like that. And, um, I ended up telling, you know, she was like, you know, how do you guys know each other? You know, whatever she was the one from Draper. She was just, you know, super inquisitive and just, you know, wanted to know more about us. And I ended up telling her that clay was actually my escort through the temple. And she was like, Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. She asked, you know, are you a convert? I go, well, not exactly. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I I was, I was a convert to the gospel. Right. I had, I had my conversion moment at one point. Right. And I wish I I would have, by the way, I love that being like a thing for everybody. I think. Yeah. Which is so cool. And that's something that me and you have talked about Mm -hmm. on multiple occasions and having people, you know, our first, our first real conversation ever was that everybody at one point has to convert to the gospel, no matter when they were right. baptized. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, um, but I ended up telling her kind of my story, me falling away, coming back, you know, putting the temple on the kind of the back burner, just wanted to be, you know, fully comfortable with myself and, you know, where I was at in life. And, uh, you know, just bore testimony, man. And it was so amazing because I was able to share you know, I was able to bear my testimony to two active missionaries and instead of them always preaching their testimonies and, and, you know, teaching people, I was able to, you know, kind of teach what I know to be true and everything like that, you know, and it was just, it was just a really cool moment. Um, you know, uh, the one from Draper, she is four months, um, yeah, four months left. She's at, um, what was that? 13, 14. She's at 14 months. Uh, the sister from, uh, Atlanta is only five months out, you know, so I'm able, I, I just felt it really cool that I was, you know, the one that's almost done. She's able to carry this, you know, this last little four or five months, you know, and carry, hopefully carry something that I was able to share with her, you know, to empower her. Yeah. Some momentum going into, you know, real life, right. Not, not, not the missionary life. Um, but then also able to share my testimony with somebody that had just started, you know, and able to feel the spirit that I felt while I was, you know, sharing my testimony on things. And, and I think the one biggest thing was I was able to share the fact that we all know somebody that has fallen away. Um, and I'm just my example, right? I fell away and I was able to come back through the love of my friends and family and, you know, that my friends and family's prayers were, were answered. Um, and because they didn't judge me, they didn't, you know, force their beliefs on me. They didn't, you know, look to, you know, make me feel like the black sheep, you know, ostracized from the, you know, cut off from the family type stuff. Like my family did it right. Exactly. That's all they did at the end of the day. That's all they did. And I was able to, you know, share that with them because they're going to know somebody, right. I, they're going to, maybe they'll struggle, right? Maybe they realize, you know, 
they're not happy with something or whatever it may be. Right. But as long as that love is, is there for them and, you know, or they, they're, or they're able to share that love with somebody that is struggling. Like that's the biggest thing, man. Like it really is. So it was just such a cool experience. We ended up getting around to the backside of, uh, the, the LA temple and just, you know, going through and talking to clay about some of the symbol symbols on the outside, like the squares and the circles and, you know, different things that it's just, it's so amazing to see everything and, you know, be really appreciative of, of moments, you know, like that. So I want to get back and I want to go in there now and I'm like pumped to go back and yeah, hopefully I get back. For sure. there, so, but, well, yeah. but you met, you left out the best part though, is that you got that sister's email address and said, I'll wait for you. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, she knows who I am, bro. She'll go. be back in five months. I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna trek up to Draper, see what's up. Atta boy, atta, there he is, there he is, <laughs> love it. And then we'll have that story on the podcast at some point. Yes, like bro. Hey, how could you imagine if I looked, if I looked up the ward that she was coming back to, and I just went and oh, showed up randomly? That'd be wild. You gonna, you gonna go with me? Yeah, well, I'm in. Let's do it, All and right, then we'll report on the podcast how that went. Oh, I can't wait. That would be – how amazing would that be? Could you imagine that? <laughs> that really would be funny, actually. She shouldn't have told me it was in Draper. I'm going to find her. <laughs> her bad. Um, no, There's really going to be somebody that's listening to this that knows that sister. Yeah, you never know. That's a good point. Mandarin speaker in L.A., right? Like temple worker three times a week. That would be incredible, dude. Um, so I do love – like what's really cool, like for one, that's – an awesome experience and there's no I truly believe there are no coincidences when it comes to the gospel mm-hmm. and the spirit and things like that. So that's awesome. And just kind of like this is what I love about the podcast cuz we can go on these tangents whenever we want, especially when it comes to spiritual and gospel things. But I this reminds me we will not be doing a gospel uh segment today cuz I think Tad kind of Oh like, yeah. just yeah. Kinda, you know, rounded that out for us. And so just Definitely. that reminded me was all just going to throw that out there. But anyway, did you have more to say on WrestleMania though? Cause like that's not a common oh. experience for people. Yeah. No, no, it was amazing. It was, uh, it's a Super Bowl of, of, you know, world wrestling entertainment. It was, you know, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Clay had such a good time. He's I've taken him and my brother-in-law and my brother-in-law's friend, uh, to SummerSlam, not last summer, 21, uh, 2021 summer here in Vegas. And I told him, I go, Hey, it's a blast. Like whatever you put in, you're going to get out. Like, and by the second match of the night, they're, they're screaming their heads off and like booing people. And like, it was just so much fun. Yeah. I would, Um, I would have same same thing happened again. Yeah. Yeah. Like same thing happened again, you know, this weekend with clay, he's dropping one liners left and right. And like the whole section that I was into just like, it was so cool just being around people that were like, Super respectful, but like also like just really funny with their one-liners. Yeah. Right. Like they're able to call out moves just like I'm able to call out moves and like things like that. It's just it's so much fun, man. And just respect for you know the great athletes that those you know men and women are uh, in WWE and that's you know, just that is one thing for them. that like growing up, I for whatever reason just hated wrestling. I did have actually a really close friend in Vegas that loved it. Like he was all about it. But I was mm-hmm. like, I was never, I'm never into this and. I was like, oh, it's just a joke. It's all fake. It's all fake. But then you're like, wait a second. Wait a second. Obviously, they're not really killing each other in there. 
However, what's fake about the fact that these, like, seven feet tall guys that are, like, 350 pounds are, like, doing backflips off of the corner of the, the ring? I mean, it's mm-hmm. pretty, like, when you, like, these guys are gymnasts. It's actually insane, yeah. and it's highly entertaining to think, like, these guys, the way they're moving their bodies, I wish I would have grown up, un, like, respecting that. And I do now, which, so it's, you know, not, never too late, but I look at it now, and I'm like, that... As a kid, I would have gotten a, I would have had a lot more fun with that. Now, granted, my parents probably wouldn't have really wanted me watching it anyway because it's not exactly, uh, you know, PG. Most it wasn't back then. Yeah, yeah. Last back then in the nineties and early two thousands, it was very PG thirteen, if yeah. not plus. You know, PG thirteen plus. Yeah, like right? NC seventeen. Like it, it was very. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was definitely closer up to that. Um, or eighteen plus, I would say. Right. It was more catered to the twenty three to thirty five. Your are 25 to 40 age range. Um, and now it's, it went, it went super backwards, right? It went to little kid based, right? When John Cena was there and doing it on a consistent basis. Um, and now it's more, it's more of a hybrid, which is very cool, right? Like it, it adds stuff for, for the adults because it's, it's very much a, if you think of it like a Disney movie, right? Like it's obviously built for, for kids and like younger people but they put in things that the adults can enjoy at the same time and like there i feel like there's a lot more adult side stuff now which is really cool and nothing like inappropriate it's just you can follow it a little bit more and you're not so much like this is just so just childish stuff so um Um, but yeah it's it really is just a fun fun thing it's one of the sports that is more enjoyable in person in my opinion like hockey Right. Like I feel like hockey and, and, and that are so, so similar, um, with the live aspect of, of, you know, the, the sport. So it's really, really cool. So, and big news yesterday, WWE and UFC merged. Oh, I heard that. That's crazy. Yeah. To Endeavor. Yeah. Endeavor is going to be the LLC that's under UFC's main president is going to, or the main uh, shareholder for the UFC is going to be the overall president and head of the board. Uh, Vince McMahon, who is same thing, CEO of, you know, um, WWE, WWE and owner, right. He's going to be on that 11 person board. Um, but Nick Khan still stays in, in place. Triple H still stays in place. The one, twos president, vice president of, you know, WWE. And then same thing with Dana White over at UFC, he's staying in place as well. So it's more, you know, I think they're going to be able to coincide some, some events and things like that, which would be really cool to see. Um, what they the kind of do and obviously the TV, yeah, the, the TV really rights that are going to be through the roof with the UFC already having ESPN plus and WWE having Peacock and Fox, um, NBC universal and, and Fox with SmackDown. So it'd be interesting to see how, how that goes. And, um, I'm, I'm excited for, for the, definitely for the years to come with, uh, this wild. huge umbrella that it's under. Yeah. So it'd be cool for people that aren't fans of WWE at all, which I mean, I'm, I would not consider myself a fan. I can appreciate it, though. I think it could be fun and cool and all that. But uh, Roman Reigns is the name that I think everybody will know in the next five to ten years. I think, I think he's going to be like right another now. another rock. Don't you think? Yeah, he already is. He's. I mean, he's he's on the thousand-day reign of being WWE. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, like, in right terms now. of mainstream pop culture like he'll start showing up more yeah. movies and he'll just be out there again i don't know if he'll ever reach the rock's level in terms of when the rock has peaked in popularity and being well known mm-hmm. but he will be like that guy that like people will be like oh who's that guy he's huge he's he's charismatic he's cool yeah 
that's Roman Reigns. Yeah, and I think so, he'd be a lot so you, more well known. Yeah, no doubt. And they, the biggest thing is like you always have every generation has a uh, superstar that you know it kind of um, kind of resembles the where the company's at, right? So you had you had Stone Cold and, and and yeah, well you had Hulk Hogan to start it, right? And then you moved into like the you know Degeneration X, Stone Cold, The Rock, like with Triple H and yeah. HBK and, and Degeneration X, like that was the big thing. And then you had the NWO right on the other side with WCW, and then it kind of moved into um, Rey Mysterio, The Undertaker, and all that stuff. And then you moved into the John Cena era, which was two thousand five ish to probably twenty fifteen, basically twenty sixteen. Um, and now Roman Reigns has kind of taken over um, after he was introduced with the Shield with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Uh, Dean, Dean Ambrose is now uh, John Moxley over at AEW. Uh, but yeah, I'm going down rabbit holes now. I can go talk about this forever. So <laughs> I think that was the coolest thing is Clay. Clay like respects that fact that I can like sit there and like tell him what's going on because again, it's that's what helped him kind of be able to understand everything. Um, but like you know, understanding where the, where the storyline was, how it started, all that stuff, because the highlight videos only do a little bit, but, you know, be able to tell him like finishing moves and things like that. Like, Oh, I know when the, the finish is coming, you know, Oh, when is it going to, you know, end stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. So it's a lot of fun, but yeah, if anybody is like debating on going, like just, just go and have some fun. It really is a lot of fun. <laughs> it's, I, it's such a blast, man. Uh, I, I can't wait to get back out. So, Hey, Big news though, Philly next year, WrestleMania, April fourth, April fifth in Philadelphia. So you better believe your boy's gonna be out there going right to opening day. I already like yeah, I am I am on board. I do not care what's going on. I will be at opening day and I will be at WrestleMania in Philly because it's a Philly thing. Hit that John. So is this is now Let's a good go. time when we talk about the Owen Four Phillies or Nah, it's all right. Slow start. <laughs> a lot of games. 160, 157 more games. They freaking lost right. to my, and I put that in air quotes, my Yankees. Yeah. And that's like, Good actually, Yankees. I want the Phillies to win. This is like when I'm I'm cheering for the Phillies over the Yankees now. That is my life now. You so, yeah. No, I mean, I'm being serious. <laughs> well, welcome. I have zero, like, comparatively, I have a lot more reasons to cheer for the Phillies. Yeah. Than I do for the Yankees, so why wouldn't I not cheer well, for the Phillies? Um, welcome, welcome. So, but now it was well, such a good weekend, and like I said, I was able to kind of uh, you know mix in the you know spiritual moment you know at the temple and all this stuff. Uh, but just um, cool. such a such a good time. So sounds like we both had an amazing weekend. So, however, yesterday, yeah, was terrible. Yeah, man. We, we, can... we waited to record the second half of this of this podcast. Just, yeah, you know, pull back. We delayed, the curtain type stuff. We delayed recording this because we, we should probably get the championship recap right, which now yeah. is going to take us all of one minute because it was an egregious yeah. game. Mm-hmm. UConn. Okay, so I pulled up. I actually have some facts for you uh, that I read uh, reading the article this morning because I I turned off the game. At, I don't know, ten minutes in when when. SDSU couldn't hit a shot to save their life. Um, so I was just like, I'm over this and I'm just going to, you know, go ahead and watch. I mean, something San Diego else. State did cut it within like six with like five minutes left at one point. Right. But it never looked good. Never yeah. looked good. 
Never looked like two things I found interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, dude, UConn was on another level. I, I saw him, I saw him play here in Vegas at the Elite Eight against Gonzaga, and they made Gonzaga look pedestrian. Oh, and that Gonzaga was got because, torched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like seeing that, I should have went and laid down some money on on UConn immediately, just because they have been rolling lately. Um, but come to find out, they had been rolling all year, and I think they just didn't get the respect that they deserved because they had a rough January. Um, but it was, uh, this is from ESPN's article on, on the, on the recap of the game. It goes, uh, it was all capped by one of the most dominant NCAA tournament runs in history with UConn winning its last six or it's, it's six NCAA tournaments games by an average of 20 points. Yikes. The fourth largest average since the tournament expanded in 1985. The Huskies are also the fifth team in since 1985 to win all six of their games by double digits. But they, I think they had a fairly friendly path. Granted, no, they did actually. Never mind. Gonzaga, Gonzaga was a legitimate. Gonzaga's no, no joke, man. That's pretty wild. UConn must have been really. And they, good, just and who they beat before them? I can't remember. Who they beat before Gonzaga? Who was on know. the other side? I don't yeah, know. But regardless, so they have, uh, and they they also played seventeen games against teams outside the Big East. They won all 17 games by double figures as well. That's insane. So yeah, I'm actually going to bump up because it'd be nice to maybe finish this uh, first part of the pod with the conference recap and maybe more on a spiritual mm-hmm. note as opposed to people we can't be friends with note. So I'm going to bump mine up. You can do yours when you're ready, but that has a lot to do with what we were just talking about. So okay. people we can't be friends with, mine. For this week, <laughs> and we don't do it every week. Now, and let me clarify. We didn't again. do it last week. That was one week that we didn't do it on. <laughs> it's true, but I don't think I'll have it every week. I just, it's you know, not easy to come. It up just with pops it. up. It does. Right? It just like, comes and that's up how and I, I feel about this week. My, yeah, mine came up this week when I was talking to Clay, and I go, "This is literally what I'm talking about." Like yeah. just little things that you like. Yeah, I, I yeah. couldn't do that. So well, yeah, go ahead. It's I, I need a, I need a couple clarifiers if this is your first time listening. Um, we just, you know, apparently there's a lot of people I don't really want to be friends with. And so I just ex- <laughs> I share that on the podcast. <laughs> but when I say that, I don't literally mean like I will never be friends with you. But like we are too different to where I'm doing both of us a favor by saying, hey, it's probably just best. Our friendship has a lower ceiling than most. Okay. And no right. harm, no foul. It is It is what it is. We're we can, we can be friends. We just can't be best friends. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's what we need to change it to. Hey, we can be friends, but we can't be best friends. Like, oh, you're a big fan of CNN? Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe we shouldn't be as good of friends as you'd like to be then. <laughs> um, honestly, probably the same goes for Fox News. It's not like I like watch Fox News all the time. It's like right. if you're way into 100%. Fox News, I don't think we'll be right. like as friendly with each other either. Yeah. Anyway, so no. it cuts both ways. Um, but uh, anyway, so mine is for this week, and this it goes right along the lines with the NCAA championship. Uh Anybody that picked those two teams to be in the championship against each other, San Diego State and UConn, there's a very high likelihood we will not be good friends because that is such like a blind squirrel getting a nut type situation that we could never really competently talk sports together. Because that is, that's right. like, honestly, the person, I think the first person I hear about that actually picked those two champion the participants. 
teams go to the championship, obviously. Uh, it's got to be somebody's wife. It's like, I liked the jersey colors or the mascots. Like, it's not going to be not a wrong. What's that? <laughs> you're not wrong. All right. I mean, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a friend of mine that was like, nah, bro. Like, I, I legit, I mean, maybe the Huskies, maybe like UConn. UConn, I'm okay with that. You pick yeah, UConn, you, right. you earned that. that but was the, well but the Aztecs, yeah, not so much. But I really think San Diego State has a really good chance of making the championship. It's like, no, you don't, unless you're a San Diego State fan. That's the only exception right. here, and which, see, by that, the way, I'm not friends way, with any right. San Diego State fan. So I guess it's already it's already fixed into yeah. this. But if, you, if you're not and you pick San Diego State, it's like, okay, cool. Good to know that you actually don't know anything about sports. I mean, you're not wrong, hundred percent. That so, I have actually I've actually done a bracket like that before, where I pitted the mascots against each other, right? And an Aztec warrior, right? Like that. Yeah, that may be that may be the winner on that side, right? Maybe like, that an Aztec warrior can take out a Bruin of of UCLA, right? That's a different. You can take out a, a, game, a bulldog, though. right? And no, that's what I'm saying. But if you can go out that side, and then the Huskies, right? I don't know what was on that side, but you know, if it coincides with like. You know, maybe a a dog being a husky or and a, and against like a longhorn, right? Like, yeah, maybe the dog does win, right? I don't know. You know, well, they, so, yeah, like, they, like but yeah, they, that, I've done that before. So like, I've gotten these random ones. That. Yeah, a husky over bulldog. Yeah, I'll take a husky over bulldog. Same. I mean, the logo alone looks more like a wolf to me than a husky. It's true. It actually really does. Which they're technically like relatives, like cousins, right? A wolf and a husky. I think that's. Did yeah, you say they're, that? They're, they're a little closer Sound? on the the canine family tree, so to speak. There we go. Okay. But anyway, right. that's mine. Just yeah. had to get that out there. I had to vent. Now I feel so I much it. better. I'm glad that's off my so chest. So much better. I actually went on that rant. I kind of went on that rant. This is how I got the idea in the sauna oh. at the gym <laughs> with a couple strangers. Just <laughs> sweaty dudes. And I even said that line in there too, where I was like, <laughs> the guy's like, yeah, like I can't imagine any one of the random dudes that I just met in the sauna was like, yeah, I can't even imagine anybody picking those two. And I was like, yeah, like honestly, it'd be like somebody's wife. And then like two <laughs> minutes later, that guy was like, somebody's wife, man, that's funny. <laughs> and I was that's like, all right, great. good. I'm just oh, workshopping so material here. It's perfect. There you go. Exactly. Test it out. Um, so I hinted at mine earlier. Uh, people I can't be friends with. People that will take any place to eat just because they are because they say food's food. What does it matter where I eat? It doesn't matter. I'm such a foodie when it comes to that. I do research on places where I go. Like it revolves around me and Clay. Like. That's one thing that me and him do always. Like we go and he had some absolute bangers coming out of LA. Like LA brisket was phenomenal. This, uh, um, this deli that we, when we, we went to had an amazing, amazing, uh, Italian sub phenomenal. Uh, and then we went to this hand roll sushi place fire had sidecar donuts, had uh salt and straw ice cream. And it was like, dude, like, banger after banger on those. And I can't be friends with people that won't go to a good restaurant and like go and try those things. Right. Like you have to be verified like, yo, and if, and if you, you miss twice, right? Like I'll be, I'll be nice. I'll be cordial. I'll be like, yo, but bro, we ain't eating together. Sorry. 
Where are we going? Like I'm picking. I'm picking. Right. Like I'm picking. Solagave on me next time you're up here. So I think you'll like it. Sound. We'll go on a date. That's right. I'll make a reservation. <laughs> um, so good. Uh, uh, on that note, no, though, yeah. I want to talk uh, about I, this more because I actually agree with you. But at the same time, it's funny because I'm at kind of that sweet spot, if I do say so myself, where I'm not very opinionated about it, mm-hmm. especially when I'm with people that are. Because then I'm yeah. like, listen, if you're in, if this is your thing, if you're into it, then like, cool, we all be taken care of. But if it's somebody else that's like, oh, I don't care. Like, let's just go to, you know, if it's like we're in, for example, if we're in St. George and they suggest going to Cafe Rio, I'm like, no, no. Like, we're in St. George. Like, let's try and go to some place that we can't go to back home. Right. You know? Well, that's how it used to be for when, um, before Vegas had In-N-Out. Yeah. It was the same thing. Like once you went down to California, you knew you were getting in and out. Right? Yeah. Like that was the exactly. thing. Exactly. And it's just like Utah to Vegas right? too. Same thing. Yeah. But now that we have our own, we never go to in and out in Vegas. Not a chance. Right. Yeah. You know, unless so it's, it's like, like an extended stay and you're just kind of like you're there for a while. You're like, okay, whatever. Just got to find something. But like if it's like a nice little quick weekend trip, it's like you got to make every meal count. Could not be. Yeah. I could not appreciate that more. So I'm with you there. hundred yeah, percent. No doubt. Yeah. So I, I just can't say that people like, let's just go here. It's fine. Right. Or the people that just look at a place from the outside, don't do any research on it at all. Be like, this place looks good. Let's just eat here. And I'm like, bruh, I just looked it up on Yelp. It's got like two stars and like a thousand million reviews and it's got two stars. I ain't going in there. Sorry. Are you a Yelp guy when you check these things out? Yeah. I'm a a Yelp guy. I'm, I'm a Yelp guy to an extent. So it's like Yelp guy. Um, but I will try it. So I'll read some of the reviews, and if it's like, say they only have like a thousand, let's call it five hundred reviews, right? And it's got three and a half stars. I will look at the, some of the comments. Seems low, and most of the time when those lower ones are, they're like on service, right? Food was amazing, but I got zero service. Oh, or that's the, good. The, someone was yeah, rude, or this or that, yeah. right? Like, there's places in town that I have here in Vegas that have terrible reviews on on yelp like three and a half stars and places are fire right but they people get pissed because there's only like 200 people that have reviewed it and it's normally like if i could give this zero stars i would have or if i could give it the food five stars and the service zero i would so that's why i decided on a three it's like okay you what guys if are one of the reviews like, was two stars because they kept asking for a tip <laughs> <laughs> Every place you go to is automatically four stars because if they have a tip there, and they lose a star. Sure. If they, they have an star. iPad at the if front they have an iPad. where you pay, yeah. they're automatically losing a star at least. Yeah, yeah. Automatically asking for a tip when you have to clean up and serve, serve yourself, clean up your, your food, your mess and all that stuff. Exactly. Automatically. Exactly. No, I like that. That's a good one. I'm actually a Google maps guy when it comes to checking out food places. I think Google Maps okay. has done a great job, like aggregating all that pretty well with the reviews and things like that. So yeah, good. Yeah. So people we can't be friends with. All right. So good. speaking of people we can't be friends with, uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> Just kidding. I can be friends with him probably. I don't know. Actually, I don't know if I'd get along with Donald Trump at all. Like he might be so intimidating and so hard to talk to that I'd be like, "Cool, <laughs> our friendship has a low <laughs> ceiling too, Mr. President." But okay. 
Um, I'm going to go. Like having dinner with Donald Trump would be one of the most interesting experiences of anybody's life. Uh, I don't know. Well, if it, it would, would be... be very much a one-way conversation. That's how I would feel about yeah. it. Yeah. Like there's there's those bulldozer. Unless you told him that. you were like, if you were like, hey, I'm Mormon, he'd probably be like, oh, really? No way. Like he'd probably be like, hey, tell me about that. Um, yeah, maybe. That'd be kind of interesting maybe. I don't know why that came to mind. But Trump indictment, you know, there's probably not much to here to say because we're not experts. But with that said, I'm hearing – so basically the grand jury – in New York, in the Manhattan, the Manhattan DA specifically, has in, indicted Trump, um, and it has to do with the non-disclosure agreements that he had some of his uh, floozies sign. Um, I don't know if it's one or if it's multiple, but I know it's at least one, and I know specifically one of them is Stormy Daniels, right? That was the name that got tossed around yeah. a lot. What I find so weird, I guess I just don't know how non-disclosure agreements work, but most people are calling this, from what I can tell, most people that I follow, which this will tell you something, are calling this a witch hunt. Not just mm -hmm. Donald Trump, but like a lot of people are saying, this is crazy to indict a former president for things like this. Like, and it was, it's like, there's even a time limit too, apparently. But anyway, a grand jury... I just learned this. A grand jury chooses to indict, and it's just a group of random people that are selected, and they only see evidence from the prosecution. So they only see it from the district attorney. They don't see any of the evidence from the other side, and then they choose to indict, and then from there it all unfolds. But I don't know. Here's the thing. My overall takeaway from this is Trump is obviously in his personal life, or at least has been, a very sleazy person. And I think he served a pretty good purpose while he was president. I think he did some excellent things. If, if for nothing else, exposing the psychosis of the media might have been like one of the best things he did because as far as I'm concerned, he really did shine a light on their bias and whatever else. But there were other things that he did that I thought were actually really good too. And then there were obviously things that he did that were not so good. But I'm over Trump officially. I'm coming out of that. Now, if he's our only option – in other words, if he wins the Republican primary, then okay, of course I'll vote for him. But I mean, most likely, and let, I mean, if there happens to be a Democrat that I think is actually more suitable, I just don't know if they'll pick somebody that is. I don't have faith. I have less faith in that. Um, yeah. But if he were to be the person, then of course I'd vote for him. I I don't want him to be though. I'm over it. I'm done with Trump. Yeah. Like I I, I can't. I think he was good for when he was there, but we are we are we are in a post-Trump era. Let's get somebody else. Call me biased, whatever. I'm a hundred percent in on DeSantis. I think DeSantis has all the good parts of Trump and the good parts of just decorum in general. Yeah, and I'm all in. Like I, I think it, I'm DeSantis 2024. It's going to be really interesting to see which way the, the the party goes to see like who they lean toward, but. Man, I cannot believe that Trump is running again, and I cannot believe that it's looking good in the polling right now. Now, it's early, but still, I just – I can't believe that's where we are right now. So yeah. if this – I hate the fact that it's come down to this freaking Manhattan DA, like, prosecuting Trump for something that sounds like, from what I understand, like, very trivial, ultimately, compared to what presidents have done already in the past. Like, you probably could have pros prosecuted Nixon very easily – but they just kind of like whatever, just like we're not we're not a third world country. We do not live in a banana republic. So just like let it go. Let these people just live out the rest of their lives. And now there's a new precedent for 
a former president to be prosecuted. And if that's the world we're going to live in, then we're going to start seeing more of these coming down the wire, which it's just unbelievable that that's where we're at. But anyway, here, here we are. Yep. <laughs> and with that, we'll move on to the next topic. <laughs> oh, that's Harper's rant. That's I love it. Rant. I've had plenty of those. So do we want to go into, we don't have a word cloud yet, obviously, but we're going to get one soon. Uh, yeah, so I, I will. Yeah, I'll I'll be working on that tonight. Uh, hopefully they have the um, hopefully they have the talks up by now. Um, I know they cut up the videos, so those are on. Um, but I am going to try and get another word cloud for all the listeners out there and followers of of the IG, so we can dictate you know, uh, dictate what they you know pushed on on us this this go around, which is cool, which is kind of a bad term but whatever <laughs> Push, pushed on us this <laughs> right yeah like yeah that's not the right term but okay yeah, yeah i wish you would have asked tad no. that what did you feel like the brethren were pushing on us this go round <laughs> <laughs> oh um, man so uh but no uh it, it was from what i got the talks that i did here obviously the full one of eye rings and then parts of uh oaks Sound like everybody's on the same page with the greatest commandment, uh, you know, love thy neighbor, stay in your lane, tend your garden. Uh, that was a big thing from President Nelson's talk um, was, you know, tending your garden and stay in your lane type thing. So it was I, I enjoyed his talk uh, because I, I've been saying it for years, man, like you, you got to take care of your house, man. You can't be you can't be glass house in, in this. You know, you can't be pot and kettle black and all that stuff. It's like. You, Jordan you better Peterson. tend your garden. Yeah, man. Tend your garden, man. Like, yeah, it's, you know, take care of your own and, and do your thing. And, you know, once, once you can change your, your personal mindset, change yourself to way, the way you want to be living, um, you're able to, you know, change your family and then, you know, change your household, change your, you know, your neighborhood, change your town, change your city, change your, you know. Well, and like uh, if your own home, so to speak, is in disarray, it's in disorder. Yeah. Who the hell is going to listen to you? And here's right. the thing. That's not to say nobody, but that's to say losers, if anyone. Like, why do you want a collection of people that are looking up to you? Like, I'm not saying you should hate yourself until you're, like, doing something formidable. You shouldn't hate yourself at all. But at the same time, if you're intellectually honest with yourself, saying, you know what? My life's really not together. I have a dead-end job. I, I don't have much going for me in this sense or that sense. I don't even like have a strong place in my church or whatever. I have like no solid values that I'm going to. If you can be honest about that reflection, then your first thing should be how do I fix that? Not how do I get people to reinforce those those ridiculous like my life. Like how do I get people around yeah. me to listen to what I'm saying because then at that point you're like if you guys honestly believe what I'm saying, then we've got bigger issues here. Like if you believe yeah. in my my values or whatever that is, then I, I just, anyway, th th that's where psychopathic behavior, I think starts to formulate personally is when you lie to yourself about the own state of your life and then you get other people to reinforce those false beliefs. And then you just start to believe in this foundation that has zero and nothing solid about it. Anyway, once again, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm going on another one of my rants. But I, I upon upon the you. sand, upon the sand, not upon the, upon the rock. Yeah. So, yeah, but no, I, I, I did enjoy the handful of talks that I did here. I, I can't wait to kind of dive back in. 
um, and, you know, hear and be able to take some notes on some certain things. So it'll be, it'll be good, uh, next, I don't know, probably month or so I'll be able to kind of mix them all in and be able to sit down and make that part of my scripture study moving forward. So obviously I like to go back and do things and because of elders quorum, we, we talk about previous, you know, uh, conference talks. Um, but I think it will be cool to, you know, be able to kind of take one a day and, you know, do it for the next, I don't know, 30, 35 days. So it'll be, it'll be a good time. So, Oh, big announcement on the, uh, temples, yeah. uh, Her- Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, man. Oh, I Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I so I spent close to five years in Harrisburg. Uh, played one year in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, so I am very excited for the people of Central PA. Um, and you know, it's just so so cool to see that uh, it's actually closer to Lancaster, only being an hour away from Harrisburg, as opposed to having everybody that's in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, have to drive over to Philly, which is about an hour and a half, two hours. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for, for the people of central Pennsylvania and big shout out to them and, you know, super excited nice. that they get an amazing temple in, in that, uh, awesome, awesome town of Harrisburg. So yeah, very cool. So speaking of which, do you remember what we put the over under at for temples announcements? Uh, 16 and a half, I believe. 16 and a half. We were pretty close. What was it? It was 15. Okay. All right. So we were close. Good. We were close. Yeah. Um, uh, the international versus domestic. Yeah. We said more international, there'd be right? more international. We were correct. Nine international, yep. six domestic. Okay. So not bad. And no, and no, and no new States, but was there a new, no new country? States. I'm sure there was. I, I didn't follow that. We didn't talk about that uh, last week really. So, okay. Uh, I would, I would guess there's a new country, but I don't know off the top of my head. And then I was just yeah. going to go through. We got close with, with Springfield, though. The Simpsons are getting one. Oh, there you, that's true. Yeah, because it's close to Kansas. But <laughs> I thought about that, actually. Springfield. All right. Um, we got screwed, though, dude, right out the gate. One of the first yeah. announcements was Holland has COVID. You're like, I know. I what know. are the chances we could get him to come on our pod to share his talk? Right. You know, I would love that. Oh <laughs> How amazing would that be? We should have, we should have asked Tad. Uh, what are the chances right? we pull this off? Um, yeah, can we, can we get this done? Yeah. All right. Give so me, I'm going to go me, over some one, quick ones. Give me one, one, one sec real quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're good. I was just saying, so some of the talks that stood out to me initially, Elder Gong, Elder Alan Haney, President Iring gave his five truths. I love those. Elder Muir's. And then the one that I actually feel like might have been the biggest sleeper. Now, granted, it's it's a little bit unfair to say sleeper is Elder Craig C. Christensen um, because it's a 70. And I don't think that's fair to say a 70 is a sleeper because it'd be really hard to predict that. But then you had Elder Schmutz, Elder Uchtdorf had, an, had an, also a great one. And then Elder Bednar's Sunday afternoon talk I really like. But then I think maybe... In terms of who won, this is going to be a cop-out. I'm going to say President Nelson because I felt like his talk specifically was completely unexpected. Not to say that he was like the prophet of the church wasn't going to say be more loving and less vitriolic in however you conduct yourself, whether that be social media or normal conversation or whatever that looks like. I, that 
that's not a surprise necessarily, but it still felt like it was more on the basic side of what a prophet could talk about, which somehow makes it more meaningful. Because it's like he took time to emphasize us being nicer to each other. And that's really, that was, I mean, that, that stood out. And I thought that was probably, in terms of how I would gauge who won, that seemed to kind of take the cake in what people talked about. Is that President Nelson was like, to take the time to say, hey, we need to be nicer to each other. It's like, you know what? He's right. We absolutely do. And there's never a time where we can't think back to how we conduct ourselves and say, I could have been better about this or that or the other. And just always looking for ways to improve. So for me... Maybe a cop-out, maybe not. I think President Nelson actually did have the best talk of conference. Going back to what we talked about earlier in this episode, it's getting interesting because President Nelson primarily dedicates just one talk, it seems like. For the last three that I checked while we were talking, he really just gives one talk that's going to be like 15 to 20 minutes. And then the others are kind of like random fillers where he'll only take like three, four, maybe five minutes. He'll announce the temples. Like, for example, I think... A year ago, he spoke early, like maybe Saturday morning, and only had a talk for about three or four minutes. And then... A couple nuggets. A couple nuggets, and then gave his spiritual momentum talk the next day, Sunday morning, I believe. And then he closed out with the temple announcements, which another couple nuggets. Interesting precedent that he's setting. Like he, you, I'm used to hearing Hinckley take like three different times in conference where he'd like have these like hard hitting talks, right? It'd be or, obviously or preset session every time he'd take like Saturday morning or something and then Sunday afternoon. But that's, yeah. we're not in that zone anymore. And Monson, I feel like kind of did more of the Hinkley thing, but I don't know, maybe I'm mm-hmm. misremembering. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't really remember Monson's presidency, um, but definitely Hinkley. Uh, I mean, mom would always call us in on, on Saturdays and Sundays. And like, we would have to listen to both of his talks for sure. Um, and then even Sunday morning, I believe as well, were the big ones. So, um, but yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's very cool for him to see and be like, look, like we don't need to have, we need to be examples for the rest of the world. We need to be examples for, you know, everyone, that's in this right now. Like we, we can be nice to people. We need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and, you know, and, and tending to our gardens, just like I said earlier, you know, like, and, and I, I completely agree. You know, it may be a little bit of a cop out, but you know, he's, he's the prophet for a reason, right? He's, he's, I love that. He's, he's going to have, you know, he's going to, he's going to probably win it every time. Um, but, yeah, so I I was upset that we didn't get Holland's talk, and I hope that he's doing all right and everything. Same. But uh, yeah. um, I'm I'm hoping that it'll probably come out. He'll he'll find a way to get his talk out, right? If it's if it's a pressing matter and he wants to put it out, it it'll be in in the Enzyme or or the Liahona or wherever it is, like whatever uh, magazine or you know distribution version they want to get it out. They'll he's going to get it out one way or another. So I think you're right. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So I think the church does, we'll, we'll do a good job at that. So, yeah. Well, we're about to take a break here. Um, we've got circle back on the other side. We got Tad Collister joining us. We did not get out of him who he thinks won general conference, but, uh, we did get him to comment on talks that he liked and, um, who we felt like impact things that were on his mind. 
Yeah, no doubt. There's some, and all, also, yeah. um, it was he came on to finally admit that I'm a better pickleball player than he is. So that's a lie. Just, <laughs> basically, I mean, he basically did that. Anyway, well, nothing but truths here. Yes, that's right. All right, so we'll be coming back on the other side with Tad. Thanks, y'all, for tuning in. Brian, another successful episode. Appreciate it, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. I hope you guys all enjoy this interview with Tad because it was very cool to meet somebody that actually personalized his book for me right after I went went through the temple. Um, Very, very cool to actually meet the man and... Uh, he had me fired up with some of the things that he was saying uh, spiritually and just amazing, amazing stuff. So I hope you guys all enjoy. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Joining us on the podcast today is a very special guest, a recurring guest, second time on the podcast, none other than the Tad Collister author of many books in the, that are uh, having to do with subject matter in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, one most famously known as the Infinite Atonement. Tad and his wife, Kathy, have been married for over 50 years. I think they're closing in on 100 years, roughly, I think, at this point. <laughs> I'm not sure, but it's got to be close. Um, together, Tad and Kathy have six children, 29 grandchildren, and one great-grandchild. I'm right about that, right? You, just one? That's right, and one on the way. And one more on the way. That's awesome. Tad, we're so happy that you joined us on the podcast. And especially, it's pretty it's pretty big of you to come on the podcast to finally tell everyone that I'm actually a better pickleball player than you. Well, we can all dream. And uh, I thought this was a nonfiction broadcast, but I guess it's going to be fiction, huh? <laughs> That's, hey, we never tell lies on this podcast. Why don't we so just don't... broadcast our pickleball game, okay? <laughs> that, now that now that's a way to get some viewers there for we sure. Well, Tad, I wanted to start right out the gate. A couple of things that uh, dawned on me over conference weekend. We'll get into this more in depth in a little bit. So, obviously, there's your book, The Infinite Atonement, and you didn't coin that phrase, Infinite Atonement. But I feel like you've popularized that because every like more than every other time that I hear anybody mention the atonement in conference, it always has now says infinite atonement. Have you noticed that? I notice it's a phrase that you, is used a lot, but of course it's from the Book of Mormon, and I think there's been a heavy emphasis on the Book of Mormon. So I think a lot of people just got that phrase, like I did, from the Book of Mormon and are, and are using it. You don't get residual checks for every time somebody use that uses that in conference. I'm not even going to respond to that. <laughs> we, gonna, we need to get you a trademark uh, I'm lawyer. I'm going to take that bait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. All right. So let's go more broad, maybe a little bit more on a serious note. Um, the question I like to pose to people is, who do you think won general conference? But that may translate to, which were the, which were the talks that impacted you the most, just kind of close 
to afterwards. I mean, we're just a day after conference here. What has been on your mind more from what you heard over the weekend? Um, anything that you thought was particularly maybe important for the church to hear, or maybe you on a personal level, if you want to go there, just kind of want to let you take it from there. Well, I, I think all people were affected by President Nelson's talk because of the environment in which we live. I like watching the news. And I think uh, the news, unfortunately, has uh, dissolved into a lot of pejoratives that people use, uh, racism, bigotry, rather than facts, reason, the spirit, and civility. And I think that President Nelson is trying to bring us back to uh, a society where you can have disagreements but still be civil. You can be persuasive with your arguments and your facts, but you don't have to be argumentative. And I think he gave a great message both personally and collectively for our society, both members and non-members, as to the type of spirit we ought to have when we engage in dialogue with each other. Yeah, that's well stated. Um, I actually, so along those lines, um, I put out a little, on our Instagram handle that we have, I put out a, a probe to see if anybody had any questions that they wanted to submit. And I was like, well, we can get to them if we have time. But I actually do want to ask you one right now because it has a lot to do with that. I was thinking you'd probably bring up President Nelson's talk. And this person asked, how do we defend the faith? And it's more kind of putting it into practice. Like you talk about the importance of it, and obviously President Nelson mentions the importance of it as well in his talk, and it really was a beautiful message that he that he shared yesterday. Is How do we defend the church without being contentious or condemning? And in for me personally, I would love to hear if you've had experiences where you felt like somebody was maybe trying to goad you into being contentious and how you responded in that scenario. Well, I do think people have tried to, to goad me maybe or been argumentative, and maybe I always haven't perfectly responded, although I'd like to. But I do think that, uh, one, keeping our voice low, two, having facts and reason available to us. The Lord said in uh, Isaiah, come let us reason together. And it's interesting in the New Testament on multiple occasions, it says Paul went into the synagogues and all these people are not going to be cordial to him, but he reasoned with them. And so I think the appropriate type of dialogue is to do your homework so you can have the facts. I think it was President Irene, you asked President Lee, how do you get revelation? He said, you do your homework first. I think you do your homework, you get the facts, you reason, and you combine it with uh, a humble, cordial spirit. And I think that's the most effective weapon that we have. And I, Alma tells us he went out to reclaim the people. And he said the most powerful weapon he had was the word of God. It had a more powerful effect upon the minds of the people than the sword or anything else. So I think the word of God taught in a loving, kindly way is the most powerful influence we have for good, to reach hearts as well as minds of people. And what would you suggest for somebody who maybe feels like they're still somewhat of a novice in the gospel, and they're feeling like maybe they're not able to go kind of to the facts, that information, what's their best move moving forward in a situation where they feel like they might be being attacked and they want to defend the gospel, but they don't feel like they can point to scriptures right away to do so? 
Well, I think, you know, truth comes to us in both our mind and heart. And maybe cerebrally they don't have access to all the scriptures, but they felt it in their heart. And I think it's hard to reject or contest a, te- contest a testimony. And so they can say, you know what? This church, this doctrine has changed my life. It's made me a better person. And so I have a testimony that that is one of the fruits of the Spirit because my life has changed. I'm a better person. And that's why I know this, this doctrine's true. And I think it's hard to fight against that. You, you are... You can't fight against that. It's the, what was it in Matthew 11? It's blasphemy against Jesus will be forgiven. Blasphemy against the Holy Holy Ghost is unforgivable. And that's the warming, the tenderness, you know, the comfort that the, you know, the Holy Spirit gives to us and then denying that experience, like that's unforgivable. And it's just absolutely amazing the way you word it, right? It's, it's just the, it's the teacher that is teaching you in, in, in through the Holy ghost. And it's, it's that comfort and, you know, and, and bearing testimony, I feel like is the best thing that you can do to defend, defend your beliefs and things like that. I know these things to be true. I had a, I had a, uh, uh, an idea come to mind when I was talking to my Bishop, uh, this, this three over the seven, right? This, this three things that, that no matter what happens in life are three things that'll always be part of your testimony. And that's that foundation that you're able to build upon and, and move forward. And, and we've talked about me and Harper have, uh, on the podcast before about this three over seven. So listeners are probably, you know, hearing that again, but, um, it's just, it's absolutely amazing when you have those three things to back on. I, no matter what happens in life, right? I can always go back to those three things, four things, five things, right? You just keep adding and adding these, these bricks and stones, uh, a part of our testimony. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Consistent uh, with what you said, I think a testimony is always good, but I think it's most powerful when you're bearing the testimony of a doctrinal principle. This mm-hmm. doctrine has made a difference in my life or this doctrine brings yeah. comfort to me. And then you bear your testimony and say, that that doctrine I know to be true in both my mind and heart. Yeah. Yeah. Family, families be together forever or yeah. will be together forever. Like that one's like, that. that's life changing. Absolutely. Right? It's like having, having that reassurance that I'll always be with my family is just like amazing, amazing stuff. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Did you, do you remember President Oaks's talk yesterday? I think yeah. it was morning, su- Sunday morning. I think so where he quoted a number of various teachings or sayings from the Savior, wasn't that Directly it? from Christ, yeah. What, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that because that's one of the more unique talks I've seen in conference in a long time. And it honestly felt like 80% of his talk were just, was just direct quotes out of the, out of the scripture, specifically the New Testament. It, it was, and honestly, I thought I'd like to go back and read that talk because he's a very logical person as well as a spiritual person. And I noticed that through part of it, there was kind of a train of building one thought upon another, and I, I don't think I got it all because it went pretty fast. <laughs> but I don't think he just took random sayings. I think he had an order and a purpose, and honestly, I need to go back and like the Savior said to Nephi, let's go ponder what I've just told you. 
I want to ponder the order and the sequence and why he gave this particular quote of the Savior. And I think as I do so, I'll, I'll even get a greater meaning out of it. Yeah. What is your process like when it comes to just studying in general along those lines? Like when you, I guess on a typical day, how would you incorporate not just the scriptures, but also a conference talk as well as maybe writing things out? And furthermore, before you answer that, have you heard of scriptures.byu.edu, the scripture citation index? I don't think I have. So well, I had to be enlightened. <laughs> yeah, well, that's 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 actually why we brought you on the podcast because we thought you were maybe lacking a few things in your study that you could use from us. So here we are for you. I say many things. <laughs> oh, that's such such a humble man. I'm dealing with. Gosh, so much to learn. Um, so scriptures.byu.edu is an app. It basically, it's a website, obviously, but you can get the app on your phone. Scripture Citation Index. What it does is it links every scripture that's ever been used in general conference to the conference talk it was used in. It's an amazing tool. And the reason why I bring it up is because Brian and I both have bonded over using that study tool specifically. And furthermore, he's actually going to be our next guest on the podcast okay. the following week. So the, the, the man himself who has uh, organized that website and created it and everything. So he's a professor at BYU and I can't wait to talk to him about it. Steve Little is his name. Anyway, let's go back to your own process, Tad, because I'm very curious. I think you would kind of mention something to me in a personal conversation about how the infinite atonement had come about. It would be interesting to kind of maybe like, because it seems like it's very, very similar to how that happened, but I'll let you take the floor. Well, uh, I guess from my own scripture study, I don't have just one way. Sometimes I just read through the scriptures. But as I do, I usually take some notes of impressions that come. And then I have different folders I put the notes in so I won't forget them. And the same thing happens at conference. The same thing will happen last this last conference. I probably had 10 or 15 impressions that came as a result of the talk. And I write them down and then I put them in the file. And I think if you do that, the Lord knows you value his impressions and he gives you more and more impressions. Otherwise, you lose the impact of that impression. The next day, you can't kind of crystallize it the same way you did that moment that it came to you. And that's why I think writing them down is so important. It forces you to crystallize the thought that came to you and the way it came to you. So I think that's an important part of studying. And I find sometimes I'm in the shower and an idea comes and I get out and I try to write it down or I'm at, I always have little three by five cards. I'm the old school guy, you know, and, hmm. but I'm at church and someone says something at sacrament meeting and I write it down. And I find if we don't do that, we miss opportunities for revelation. But, uh, I don't know if you can see that Tad, but I am the exact yes. same way. I am the exact same way. <laughs> she has, and I just use cards because it's easy for me when I get an idea to throw it in that folder or the Book of Mormon or in the folder on Revelation or whatever. But when I wrote The Infinite Atonement, I, I didn't try to write a book. I was just going to write on a subject for 30 days each month so I could get a better grasp of that gospel subject. And, after, and I listed all the questions I had on 
the Savior's Atonement. And after 30 days, I didn't answer them. So I went another 30 days. And then I went a year. And then I went 10 years working on it and finally decided, well, maybe this could be a book. I, I don't know. I've never written a book before. And I continued for 17 years. And then I just stuck it in the mail and sent it off to Desert Book. I didn't know anybody. But I had a number of friends review it. And uh, maybe I told you this, I don't know, but I learned a great lesson I, <clears throat> in the course of that. I gave it to one friend who was a senior attorney for a major law firm in Los Angeles. He was a very good man, but a very tough-nosed labor attorney. And uh, he came over to the office and uh, after he'd reviewed it, and he started to kind of attack me like an attorney might do on several different issues. And I, you know, was an attorney, and I thought, well, I have a defense. I'm going to fight back. And I was just ready to fight back, and a thought crossed my mind. Dad, do you want to win an argument, or do you want a better book? I thought, wow. So I bit my tongue. I think I still have the scars in it. I listened, and I learned a great deal. And afterwards, he put his arms around me and said, thanks for not being defensive. And so when I asked my friends, I say, I know you're a friend, but would you please be candid in telling me how I can improve this? And I think all of my friends have been candid, but kind. You can be both. But I don't think we do somebody a service if we aren't candid, but also kind at the same time. So I found giving my books to other people to get their input, and not just scholars, just the good common salt of the earth people that you want their input from their daily life, as well as the academic professors at BYU, the whole cross section of humanity, so to speak. So I think uh, listing questions, trying to answer them, writing down your feelings and responses, and then coming back and refining and refining and refining, and not just trying to get something published. And I think that you reach a certain point when you say, I feel good about it now. I feel comfortable enough to submit it. That's amazing. It is amazing. One, I love that. <laughs> I'm going to write a book. Another thing now. I'd say about studying is to try and look for principles when you read the scriptures. I think, you know, in Nephi, it says, Feast upon the words of Christ, or behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things that you should do. And I uh, how in the world can the words of Christ tell me all things that I can do? Can they tell me in Alma who I should marry or in Mosiah what career I should pursue? And then I realized in a much more subtle and complete way they do, the scriptures teach correct principles and they invite the spirit to use those principles in the specific situations and with the specific problems we have in life. So when we sometimes we read a story or a miracle, we say, that was a great story. That was a great miracle. But maybe the next layer of learning is, what was the principle that was trying to be taught there? You know, Naaman and the Syrian would say, that's a great miracle. You know, you think, but what if he'd come out of the water after six times? Would he have been sixth, seventh claimed? Hmm. <laughs> maybe the Lord was trying to teach us a principle that you've got to go all the way before you Completeness. get the blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. What a wonderful miracle. He loved, you know, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But one of the speakers at conference talked about this, but there was the principle that he didn't roll away the stone. 
he didn't unwrap Lazarus. The principle was, man, men and women, you do everything you can and what you can't do, I'll do. I'll raise him from the dead, but you can move the stone, you can unwrap him, you do that. So almost every story miracle has a principle. Or even Peter walking on the water and the Savior said to him, oh, you have little faith. And I think to myself, what's the principle here? Oh, you have little faith. How many men do you know that have walked on water for a few steps? And he wasn't saying, oh, you have little faith compared to other men. The principle was, Peter, oh, you have little faith compared to what you can become. It's, Lord doesn't compare us to other people. So I think as we look for principles in the scriptures, they'll help govern our life as fathers, as companions, as church servants, and even in our secular world. That's enough for me. Sorry. I love what you said. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Don't, no, it's not. not. I'm, I'm feasting I'm right now. Oh, my I'm gosh. Out of ammunition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, there's a whole book that's like over 300 pages that I've read that would beg to differ. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing that I got from that last part is likening the scriptures to our lives, right? Like if we're going through something, we're able to grab those principles that we need at the time. I mean, I, I look at some notes that I took back, you know, a year ago or even a, two years ago, right? Like, and I'm like, what was I, what was my mindset that I wrote this down? Right. And I'm trying to remember those things, but now I'm grabbing things from different verses and different chapters within, within my readings. And I'm like, Oh man, like I'm, I didn't, I, how did I miss this? Right. But at the time, I wasn't ready to be able to do that, to understand and, you know, be able to pull those things into my life that I'm going through currently, right? And that's where it comes back to, you know, he's going to teach us all what we need to be able to get through this life, right? The, those key principles, but in due time, right? It's, it's on our timeline. It's doing our, you know, our best to be complete and go all the way, right? Those seven days, but also, you know, may take a little bit longer on those seven days. It may take, you know, nine, 10, 11 days, right? But we have to keep going, keep pushing forward and grabbing those principles to be able to, you know, live our lives to the best of our ability. Tad, I just got to say, I love what you said about how Christ never compares us to other people. He only compares us to our potential, which is a beautiful principle you talk about. Like that's, that is like whenever, whenever we may feel chastised, by the Savior, or I guess even by God, you know, through prayer or through whatever, a lot of times that might be God telling us, I know you can be better than this. I know you're capable of doing much better than what you're doing right now. I think that's exactly right. It's a, and that's a good way to look at it. And if we're humble, it'd be a good learning experience for us. And if we aren't, we'll miss the opportunity. Well, I've got some questions here from some of our followers, but Brian, before I get to those, did you have anything that you wanted to ask Tad specifically before we get to that? How do you put up with Harper on a consistent basis? I don't know. That's true. Does he have any followers besides his brother and sisters? No, I was thinking more, about this. But yeah. I just take Harper with a grain of salt. You know how it is. They know we're, we're, we're indirectly related. I hate to admit that, but we are, yes. Right. We, we, we kind of, I mean, we don't share that great grandchild, but, you know, he's my, he's my great nephew, so there's right. that. 
and so, I'm a great uncle. Uh, both both great and are, literally and relatively. I think that's probably true. <laughs> you're good with the, you're good with the kids. Uh, no, I was thinking about this because I was like, do I have any questions? But you kind of covered mine, like how you became how how you wrote the Infinite Atonement, which was big. Um, but I was thinking, like, do I want to do like a rapid fire question, like hamburgers or hot dogs? You know, what's your favorite type of music? Like those type of things. I was like, you know, a little personal, but you know, a uh, little five question thing. But yeah, I'd have to come up with those were only the only two, the only two that I could think of. So I really don't have three others. <laughs> I would guess I'd say he's a hamburger man through and through. Tacos. Yeah, they have tacos. There you. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Here. Let's let's let's. This is the question that I'll ask. Are tacos? With it, are tacos sandwiches? That's what it is. Are tacos sandwiches? Because if hot dogs, yeah, yeah well, hot dogs, hot dogs and tacos would be the same, sandwich, right? And then I'll answer the question. What was that, Tad? Uh, meat and a bread substitute. Well, it's close then. <laughs> right. Say. I don't know. I've never heard of anyone <laughs> eating a bologna taco, so I think that's why. I'd... Maybe. <laughs> what if it's one piece of bread though? You just fold it in half, and you have you have your you know I deli think meat. You're going taco. downhill. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to start to get derailed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Tends to happen with us. So, um, I'm going to ask you this one. Actually, I think is a really interesting question, Tad. You may feel like you're not totally qualified to answer this, but I would love to ask it regardless um, because I actually. I think it is interesting to compare kind of church in the early days versus church now in the modern times that we live in. So this this person wrote in and said, In the early days of the church, apostles and general authorities shared their experiences in seeing the Savior, having angels minister to them, and heavenly visits. Why do you think general authorities in our day don't share their experiences of visits from heavenly messengers as often as those from the early days of the church? especially curious about the 12. This person specifically had heard Elder Scott allude to the fact that all apostles would have a special sacred experience, so they're curious why they don't share as freely as apostles did in the early restoration period of the church. I think factually and historically, that's actually pretty accurate. Um, We just don't hear it nowadays. In fact, I can't even remember the last time um, in modern times, so to speak, that we've heard a general authority or even a prophet specifically say like, we had angels visit us, and, and this took place, or whatever. I, I shared on the podcast maybe about a month ago how if you put some, if you connect some dots with how Elder McConkie specifically talks about his experience and his his knowledge that the Savior exists, and how he cited certain scriptures, specifically in Ether, I shared about how he had faith no longer for he knew. If you put that together, you can kind of come to a conclusion that Elder McConkie may have had a very personal experience where he actually it became that special witness that he is as an apostle. But that was that's my own takeaway. Curious to hear yours. Well, the honest answer is I don't know. You're just asking my opinion. Uh, and and I, I want to qualify that I really don't know the answer. But... Uh, I do think many of them have had uh, personal relationships with the Savior, however you would define that, or divine intervention in their life. 
I do think in the early days of the church, the church was a lot closer and smaller and less public. And now we have a much more public audience with TV and all. And I, so I think they're very careful about sharing those sacred experiences with people who would respect them and uh, reverence them. And maybe that's one of the reasons, but I don't honestly know. So just to clarify, you think that part of the reason why they might hold back is because they want to have more reverence than just putting it. In other words, say, for example, and this makes sense to me for the record, um, the prophet, President Nelson, yesterday, he goes, I've talked face to face with the Savior, and he told me to relay this message to you as a church. Next day's headline in the New York Times is, President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints claims he had a face-to-face conversation with Christ, and you're just thinking that maybe they want to be careful more about what potential fallout for something like that could be? I think that's important, and, you know, this is kind of graphic, but the Lord said don't cast pearls before swine, and I, I don't mean that they're swine, but I think some people, and the way our media is today and the climate is today, would not give a sacred experience like that the respect that it deserves. Interesting. I guess I never really understood that the casting pearls before swine and what that kind of meant. But that means essentially don't, you know, don't share spiritual experiences with people that won't appreciate them. Is that essentially what that means? I think that's part of it. Yes. Yeah. Huh. I never thought about that before. Okay. Interesting. I think we hear from the apostles and prophets currently in, you know, in this time is more the verbiage of I've been impressed yes. by the Lord and to say things, right? Like, because we know that they're preparing these conference talks, you know, weeks and months, if, you know, maybe, maybe they're working on their October talks currently. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're able to all see the Lord in our lives as well. Right. If we're seeking him out and we're seeing him, we're hearing him. Right. And we're following him that way. Um, because I, I may not have seen the actual, you know, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ standing in front of me or my Heavenly Father standing in front of me, but I see their hands in my life. I, I feel the Spirit. I, I am able to, you know, hear, you know, the choices that I should be making in the life and, and moving forward and things like that. So um, I couldn't agree more about the, you know, swine and pearls thing as well. So um it's very very sacred right it's it's a it's a tender mercy in in those things and you know i i think the verbiage that they use in conferences you know proof that they have seen you know the lord in their lives and and i think consistent with that thought too is the fact that we don't want to portray to the church that you can only have a real testimony if you've seen the savior or an angel that the real testimony comes by the power of the holy ghost Layman and Lemuel saw angels, but what good did it do them? That the real testimony right. didn't come from the angel. The real testimony comes by the Holy Ghost. And sometimes I think youth, they, they want this dramatic experience. And all the time the scriptures is telling us, you know, the Holy Ghost will enlighten your mind or soften your heart or give you peace or invite you to do good. And those are all fruits of the spirit, witnesses of the spirit. And I think that the Quorum of the Twelve and the Apostles also want us to know 
those are just as powerful, maybe even more powerful than an angel, are those witnesses of the Holy Ghost, and not make it some dramatic experience that you have to have to have a testimony. Yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense no to doubt. me. Um, so this question comes from another follower. Um, how were you called, and what callings have you had in your life? We got. We're just going to do finish this out with two more questions. By the way, this being one of them. Well, uh, you mean I was I called as a the study school president uh, by President Monson. And, uh, How about when you were called to be a 70? I was actually interviewed when I was on my mission, as a mission president, uh, by two of the general authorities over the two of the apostles over a video. And <laughs> then I was called by the first presidency of the church after that and set apart. Uh, so that's how that, that call took place. So did you finish your mission and then get called the following conference? I was in my last year of my mission and I was called April conference and they had me finish my mission till June. Ah, June. Yeah. And then I started and was sent immediately to New Zealand to be in the area oh, wow. of residency for three years and then came back for three years and was one of the seven presidents and then became the general Sunday school president for five years. There you go. And leading up to mission president, what callings did you have in the church? I did serve as a, uh, a bishop and a state president and they used to have regional representatives in an area 70. And, but I, I hope that people don't feel like you have to have ecclesiastical titles to be important in the church. And I think it was George Albert Smith. I'm not sure. I think it was George Albert Smith who indicated that the only criteria for exaltation is keeping the commandments. And that was the criteria in the Doctrine and Covenants section 14, verse 7, I think. If you keep my commandments and endure to the end, you shall have eternal life, which is the greatest of all the gifts of God. And I think the most, I don't think they'll have designations as apostles or mission presidents in the life to come, but they will have designations as husbands and fathers and disciples of Christ. And I think those are the important things for people to focus on. Well, no, I can absolutely second that because I don't even have a calling in the church and my sense of self-importance is through the roof. So, <laughs> well, I, just... I remember Barbara Bush made a great statement. She says, what happens in the world is not so important what happens in the White House as what happens in your house. Yeah. I think that's yeah. it. I, I think I have an incredible respect for mothers and what they do with in their homes with you know, the one or two or six or ten children, whatever it may be, and shaping their lives. Think of my mother, my father. And he was a bishop and a mission president, but he would unquestionably say the greatest and most important calling he had was as a father and spouse. And that's how I feel. Well, and I think I would even, I mean, not to say that the word respect, you know, leaves anything to be desired, but I mean, you truly revere 
those positions in life of father and a mother. I mean, I could just hear the way you've talked about it, talked about your own mother specifically and how much you, I mean, it goes to me, it's like, it's beyond respect. It's like, that is everything you cherish that the, the opportunity to have that in life is the only goal that we should all essentially have in life and everything else beyond that is an added bonus. And even those who don't have a spouse now or parents now can prepare for that. And every honorable person will have that opportunity. That can be their greatest preparation is to prepare to be a good spouse and a good parent because that's what all eternity is all about. It's about eternal marriage and eternal families. We better move on before you chide me for not being married. Um, and me as well. Jeez. <laughs> Preach to the choir over here. You're going to find somebody at the right time. That's right. That's right. Any, All in due time. any listeners, they'll give out their phone numbers at the end. They can give you to a call. <laughs> what we'll have to do, I'll have to, to bring them to your house and have you uh, just play you in pickleball. And when they see me mop the floor with you, they'll be like, this guy must could, be something you special. You list your bank accounts. It might help here. <laughs> that was just a joke, folks. Yeah. Well, oh, so like you said this was a truthful podcast. Um. Last question. I'm not sure who would have submitted this one, but it's uh, who's your favorite grandchild? Oh, wow. That one. Who wrote the uh, <laughs> one okay. of my favorite? Yes. <laughs> we could just leave it at that then. Yeah. <laughs> leave the pip. Where, uh, where's, the, where's your most favorite place you visited? Uh, outside of the continental U.S., I would say. Outside the continental U.S. Outside the continental U.S., I would say Israel. And we're going okay. there as a family in May again. And I think there's something about just walking where the Savior walked and just sitting down and pondering the scriptures in the Garden of Gethsemane or, you know, on the temple site. Uh, it's just an experience that you can't duplicate at home. You can have great experiences at home, but it's not quite the same as being there and seeing the surroundings and feeling the spirit of those places. That's amazing. Did Very you do cool. the walk from, isn't there a walk from, uh, from, is it Gethsemane to Golgotha? How do they do that? Yeah, honestly, I can't remember if we did the full walk or a portion of it. I think we did a portion of it and then went up to what's considered the site or thought to be the site. It's thought to be the site. And I'll, uh, but yes, it was, it was a very memorable experience for me. Moving experience. I can imagine. Yeah. Good to know. Good question. Well, Tad, thanks for your time. Seriously, uh, I, I I know you're doing this as a favor to me. I know you are. It's I, I, I will I, collect. Yes, I will collect. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine how. I don't have anything that you want, but anyway. <laughs> um, I have a lot of weeds in my yard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Brian's re Brian's really go. good at, at weeding, so that's perfect. I am. Yeah. I am. Um, I take yeah. pride in that. Tad, seriously, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to to talk with us. Oh, I did almost forget to ask. Sorry, I actually had this written down, but I for, um, I meant to ask. Did you did you want to talk about for a second, kind of your goal with setting up the Constitution in public schools in the state of Utah? I know you've got kind of a you've got a group pioneering this effort well, right now. Too. We, I'm part of a nonprofit called the Utah Citizens for the Constitution, and they were able to get passed legislation in the state legislature that uh, September of every year would be designated as American Founders 
and Constitution Month. And uh, so our organization is uh, planning and working with cities and schools and church interfaith groups to uh, help educate the citizens of Utah on the Constitution and to help rekindle the spirit of patriotism in America. And you may have just seen the Wall Street Journal poll, but it showed in 1998, people who felt patriotism was very important in the United States was at 70%. This year, 38%. Oh, my goodness. So there needs to be, you know, we our scriptures talk about the Constitution is inspired. Many people don't realize that three places the Constitution's mentioned in the Doctrine and Covenants tells us to befriend the Constitution. It talks about its noble principles. The Book of Mormon talks about the inspired discovery and Revolutionary War and pilgrims coming here. And uh, so we're trying to reinstitute a love for America, that God's hand was in America. And, uh, you know, the scripture, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord in the Psalms. And I believe that. We are a nation under God, and God we trust. And if we ever lose that, we will lose our sense of morality. You can't have moral values without absolute values and belief in God. Is there a way that people can support this movement that you have available? Is there like a website they can go to or anything? They can go to Utah Citizens for the Constitution. I'm, I'm, I, I feel uneasy about promoting things, but I promote the Constitution. I love the Constitution. I love America. I appreciate the founding fathers. I recognize they were imperfect men. But, uh, you know, we honor imperfect men. Peter was imperfect. If he'd been living today, he'd committed a felony when he cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. He was one of the greatest (laughs) apostles of all time. And the founding fathers made some mistakes. But when I read about the sacrifices they made for this country, to make available the liberties we enjoy today, I'm overwhelmed and very appreciative for what they've done. That's amazing. I love it. Um, do you have any books yeah. in store uh, in waiting that you're working on right now? Well, I did write one, America's Choice, uh, A Nation Under God or Without God. It's out and it's designed to talk about uh, the role of God in the, des- in the origin and destiny of America. And uh, I'm, I'm working on another one, but it has to be approved. And so I won't say anything until I see if it gets approved, okay? Oh, well, then we'll, we'll just be waiting in the wings so you can, you can break the news on Latter-day Takes because we know you're such a big fan. So, <laughs> All right, Tad. Thank, thank you. you so much, Tad, for coming on. I, I really appreciate it, man. It was awesome meeting you and, and you know, fe- feasting upon your words. No doubt. Thank you for the really good work you're doing. All That's right. Good. Thanks, Dad. Thank you, you have a good one. Thank We're you. wishing you the best as always. Just send the check here to the house. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Thank you. That'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for checking in, everyone. If you liked what you heard today, I ask super quickly if you could just follow or subscribe to the podcast, give it a rating, give it a review, tell your friends about it. All of that stuff helps me quite a bit. Watching the growth has been super humbling and motivating to keep going, and I could not possibly appreciate all of you more. Sitting on my table, I'm watching as everything's changing my mind, goes to a different time. 
old love. I remember falling so madly. There must have been magic in the valley and a rhythm in the night. Cause I could almost see it. Did you fade right out of you? If it takes time. 